0: Well, hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I'm very excited today because I have a repeat guest, which I almost never do. And back from episode 33, Deborah Olson guested for the first time. So I'll refresh who she is, but hopefully you catch that first episode. If you don't, just make sure to do it right before you listen to this one. Deborah Olson is a women's emotional health specialist, friendship expert, keynote speaker, and award-winning author of The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connection. She shared the power of female friendships on the Dr. Phil Show, Great Day Houston, Network in Arizona with Carol Blunder and more. Deborah's girlfriend retreats are life-changing. As a dynamic and thoughtful speaker, Deborah has spoken on topics such as mental health, importance of gall pulse, season of a woman's life, and rediscovering your passion, to name a few. And that's why she knows so much about everything. That I said, well, let's uh, have a new episode on, on on a particular subject: mental health. Hello, Deborah, and welcome to Back to Basics.
1: Hello, Leticia. Thank you so much for inviting me back. This is just a great opportunity to talk about something that's really paramount today in our world. And I really appreciate this this opportunity. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, we all know that. that, I mean, you published your book back in twenty nineteen. We had you on the show, believe it or not, in two thousand and twenty. You were on episode thirty something, and now we are. We have passed two hundred episodes, so it fills my heart with joy that we have stayed connected. But also that you know, you reach out and you say, you know, I, I would love for us to have this chat, and this is what back to basics is because we. Recognize that, you know, especially as we are coming out or have come out, you know, to more of the normal that we remember, we're still dealing with a lot of issues and, you know, mental health, obviously, it's top priority for everybody. We all suffer from it. But before we dig into that, tell us a little bit about your book and how it did. And I mean, I always found it so fascinating how you encourage women through friendships to support each other. So tell us a little bit of what has happened since we left off.
1: (laughs) Sure, I would love to. So here's my book, The Healing Power of Girlfriends. And since I was on your show the last time, I'm happy to say that this book has won six literary awards. Oh, my God. That just blows me away because this is my first book. And to win six literary awards is really special. I'm so honored and blessed by that. And I really attribute, thank you so much. I attribute a lot of the success of this book and winning those awards. One, it's the message that really resonates with people. And when people review it and they judge it, they realize how important that friendships and connections are. And so the message is powerful. But the other thing I did when I wrote this, I got a really great editor. Mm-hmm. And her name is Candace Johnson. She actually used to live where you are in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale area is where she was, but she lives in the Northwest now up in Portland. She's oh, wow. very, very skilled. Yes, she made the big the big change from one coast to the other. She's become a dear friend. And she put my book through many, many edits herself. And then she sent it off to different copywriters for further editing and further editing. So what we got was a really polished book that is not, there's no errors in it, you know, grammatically or any other way. And then also just the way that it's put together, the way that it flows and the message that is conveyed inside. Candice gets a lot of credit for that, but the message really... Through the time since I've been on your show, I've been speaking to a lot of different groups, organizations, all different keynotes that I've done. I did a huge book tour and went all over the coast of California and also the East Coast, went to Florida and shared my message with women in groups that were small or large. And what's really resonating with people as I meet with different groups is they come up to me and they share a story about how a girlfriend saved them. They went through, maybe uh, they became a new widow and it was the girlfriends around them, their tribe that rallied behind them and supported them and got them through that really hard time. So people have shared their real life stories with me as I've gone and connected with different audiences. I love to do keynotes because that's where I feel I can get my message out to the biggest group and I can have the most impact to the most people. So I just did a keynote in Austin in January to almost 700 people. And I was so honored. It was a group of educators that were principals or superintendents, females, from all over the state of Texas. And it was their big state convention at the Austin Convention Center. And I talked about female connections and we really talked about healing from wounds in life and how girlfriends are able to dive in and and help us do that. So I love sharing my message, and especially in our world today with people hurting from being isolated during the pandemic, we're coming out of that fortunately and people are doing more socialization now we're getting back to what we were before and it's great and people are feeling better but we still have people that aren't doing so great we've still got people that are depressed or anxious so we're still talking about all of this
0: yeah no i i, I totally agree and it's very relevant and and back then you know as as somebody that relies on her tribe or group of friends men and women you know, I'm a firm believer of that, that that as a support system. And so, of course, you talk to so many people and you, I guess, you un- uncover so many things that uh, you have shared. You know, mental health is something that's close to you because you've been in contact with people, you know, that that have struggled with that. So I definitely wanted to, to start there in terms of, you know, the challenges of being maybe at home with somebody that suffers from that or, you know, as a mom, I'm always very, you know, I'm very scared for the kids and more and more, of course, on the terrible, you know, news every other day, we have a shooting somewhere and that that spans from mental health, undoubtedly. So right. what's your take there in terms of uh, if you have a story you want to share or, you know, just where that commitment and and to mental health and to advocating for it uh, came from?
1: So exactly, that's a great question. And for me, I grew up in a family where there were some family members very close to me that struggled with mental health. And so I witnessed it firsthand and I lived it firsthand. So at, I would say an early age, I became interested in Helping people. I went into nursing first and became a registered nurse. That was my first career. Mm. And it came out of this deep desire inside of me to help people, to want to ease people's pain physically or emotionally. And then from nursing, I went on and got a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree in clinical psychology and became a therapist here in the state of Texas. So I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I've been treating primarily women across the lifespan, teenagers, young adults, older adults, middle-aged adults, for the last two decades plus. Mm. And what I've learned during this journey is so much about What women struggle with during their lifespan, whether you're a young adolescent who has an eating disorder and you're struggling with that, or you're a new mom with a new baby and you're sleep deprived, and maybe you've got postpartum OCD or postpartum depression, or maybe you're a new lady, an empty nester who's a new mom that's trying to deal with an empty nest, or maybe you're a new single at 50 or getting a divorce and you're trying to be single again at middle age. It's tough. So I've helped and walked through many different life challenges with women through the two decades I've been practicing. And I've learned a lot and I've witnessed a lot. And I would say that It really goes back to when I was very young, having this desire to make an impact and help people when I was seeing in my own family, the hurt that mental illness can cause to the loved ones that are right there in the family and the pain and the agony and the distress that's caused. And the stress. And so my sister also went into the mental health field. My sister is a clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota Mm -hmm. and has her own business there in the Twin Cities. And when she and I talked about this, we've talked about how we both got interested in the mental health field because it really goes back to when we were very young watching that play out in our own family with close family members. And so we both have this deep desire to want to make a
0: difference. Yeah, that's powerful. And uh, and of course you are making a difference because you've written the books, you, you, you're doing the therapies. And so I'm sure that there's a book somewhere in you that's going to be about, so how do we prevent it? Like, what can we do? Because I know that a lot of people, you know, like my fear is that, especially after pandemic, you know, a lot of emphasis has been done, you know, get out, do more connect to yourself. And it's all important things, but I think that the problem when it it's rooted way deeper than that. And so how can we learn to catch it early? How what can we what can be done to really prevent it from getting to something that it really becomes makes you non functional? Because the, the worst thing that can happen, I believe, for anybody is that they have somebody in their family that maybe cannot participate in family life. Or, or you being somebody that, you know, for whatever reason, are being excluded because people recognize that there's something that's not functioning. So obviously, how do prevent it to get it to, to that point?
1: Right. That's a wonderful question. And it's one we all grapple with a lot. I think one of the things that I would recommend is you hear it a lot. If you see something, say something. That's just real basic. And yes, absolutely that. Um, definitely. But the other thing that I would say is we all are so busy leading our lives and we're running around and we're trying to, um, you know, either we're working in our jobs, we're raising our families, we're helping our elderly parents. People are busy multitasking, doing lots of different things today. And what's really important, though, is the people around you, whether it's a family member or whether it is... A good friend who you see that might be suffering, sit down with that person and really draw them out and say, are you okay? You can start with that question. Just a real simple question that's open-ended. Are you okay? You seem down or depressed or anxious, or you you don't seem yourself. You seem not focused or whatever it is. Um, Are you okay? And then how can I help? And then really Try and get them to talk to you about what's bothering them, what kind of pain they're in, what they're going through. If it's a child getting bullied at school, you need to figure out what's going on at school and then delve deeper into that and go to the school and talk to the teachers and the counselors and the principals and the support system that's at school. Also to get help for that person. Sometimes it means you say to them, I'll go with you to an appointment. I'll drive you to a counselor. I'll drive you to a psychologist. I'll drive you to a psychiatrist. I'll, I'll drive you to a mental health facility where they can evaluate you and see if there's something that you need that we can get for you, some help. Sometimes it's medication that they need. Sometimes it's extensive therapy, but being bold enough sometimes to just stand up to that person and say, you don't seem well to me, are you okay? What can I do to help? And extending yourself to them and partnering with them that you will drive them to an appointment or whatever it takes. If it's a girlfriend, sometimes you might be the only person they talk to. I've actually worked with clients who have, believe it or not, they live in their apartments and they're elderly. And this one lady that I was doing counseling with, the only person she saw was myself. When she would come into our visits every week, I was the only human being she saw the entire week. Otherwise, mm. she was shut up in her apartment. And of course, you can imagine she was very depressed.
0: Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think definitely we're talking about something a little different, but they have a good friend who just became a grandmother and uh, her daughter is living in their home uh, temporarily while they move. But she was saying, I have forgotten the 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 power of multigenerational living together mm-hmm. yes and if we think about it that's how it was done you either live you know with your grandparents or your mother and m- yes. multiple generations in the same home or really close to each other like you know in sicily where my parents are from that's still the case like uh-huh. you know, and it is true and i believe that there's something there like there's a superpower there in terms of preventing mental health, because you really never feel alone. There's always a family member, somebody to take care of each other. That my experience, unfortunately, especially in the United States, where I've been living for 28 years, is it's a very lonely feeling, even with your neighbors, like neighbors don't Don't reach out to each other. They, it's almost very independent as a, as a culture and as a society, especially for somebody that wasn't raised in that, that way. And I really believe that that's maybe one of the reasons why, you know, as a society, especially here, we kind of teach our kids to, to be independent, figure it out, do it on your own, where other cultures that are maybe in worse situations, poorer than we are, you know, they are happier. Mm -hmm. because they have that support.
1: Amen to all of that. I could not agree more with you on all those points. Absolutely. And I have done some postpartum depression counseling through the years. And one of the things that we know about our society being so individualized and independent is a young mom goes home from the hospital with her baby And she may have a grandma, maybe her mom or mother-in-law come for a week or two, or maybe if she's lucky enough, a month. And then everybody leaves and goes back home, and she's left with this new baby. Maybe she has a toddler or two running around the house, and she's sleep-deprived because she's getting up with the baby at night to feed the baby. And so she's trying to keep all these balls in the air. She's trying to parent the toddlers. She's trying to be a good mom to the newborn, be up at night keep the laundry going and all of that. And what we know is that the sleep deprivation part of that combined with just being alone and not having enough help and support, it really does amp up the postpartum anxiety and depression. And in the multi-generational societies, like you were referring to a minute ago, it's different because you have maybe an aunt or a grandmother that lives with you who is helping with all these things and offering encouragement and support and helping with the chores and the children. And it's a beautiful thing, this multi-generational help and support. I wish we had more of that in this country. And I don't know how to go about changing it radically, but it's something we do talk about in postpartum health. It's so valid. Our daughter is getting ready to have number four baby in May. And she lives... Yes, yes, and she has three little ones that are four, three, and two right now, so she'll have a newborn added to that mix, which is going to be busy, and we have already said that we will come, and we will stay with them, and we'll be with them through the time that they need us, and we were just there this past weekend with them so that they could get some things done. They had errands to run and things, and we stayed with the three little ones, and I have the exact same thought that you just spoke about in that. Here we are on a weekend, giving support to our very pregnant daughter Mm -hmm. and her husband. And we are a multi-generational situation right now. We're taking care of these grandbabies. And it was lovely for them because they come in in the morning and we have this routine. It's called morning cuddles. Mm -hmm. And my name is Omi. That's my grandma name. It's a German name. So I'm Omi and my husband's Papa Dave. The door opens at about 7 a.m. and the pitter-patter of little feet running in and they're calling in bed with us. We're ready for morning cuddles. <laughs> and so we have this little ritual we do and we just love it. It's the sweetest thing. And I wouldn't miss that for the world. And I just want to say to all the people out there that are also grandparents right now, take advantage of that time with your grandkids to offer support to your own children as they need you, but also to be a person that that grandchild will remember as this wonderful, loving, kind, warm grandparent. So when they're much older, they'll have fond memories of that. And it's capturing that multi-generational thing that you were talking about. It's beautiful. I wish we had that more in our culture here in America.
0: No, no Absolutely. And I think it's up to us to, to instill it in the younger generations, like the power yes. of, of just okay. having company, because at the end of the day, it's not feeling alone. Yes. And, and feeling that you are with somebody. And yes. so it's almost like, let's talk about this. And it's almost like we, I feel like, uh, how can we be productive? Because we know this is an issue. Yes. So you were talking about postpartum depression. And I have said, um, I've been a pretty constant person humor-wise. Like, thank God I, I'm not go two sides. Uh, you know, I never felt it. But I have to say, and I have a friend that said that horm- hormones play dirty trick and she told me she gave me that advice when i got pregnant and i can totally relate and i always say there's a moment in my life where i could caress just a little tiny bit of what people with severe depression go through okay. that's in that moment of my of my life breastfeeding with a young kid not sleeping and and feeling scared in the sense that i say if i'm stable I know what's going on. I'm calling it. I'm mindful of this is kind of yes. this bad feeling trying to lurk into me. Yes. And, and you, and I had the tools to kind of keep it, recognize it. I know this is happening. What of the people that don't have those tools right. uh, you know, available to them and that they don't have the genetic disposition and they are suffering with, you know, mental health issues from a young age. it's, it's very, very scary because you know how your mind completely can go to very scary places.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's why Postpartum Support International, which is a wonderful group, it's an international agency and I've been a member of that to get information. It's it's an agency that organization that exists to educate young moms, also to educate their support system and to give them ways to talk about how they're feeling. There's a hotline that they can call in, a 1-800 number. They can call into that and talk to a real person that is an expert in this area, and they can help them find people that will help them, you know, get better and feel better. They have professionals that are on lists, and they can point them in the right direction, whatever state they live in. They can say, go to this person. This This is the person that treats that. And so it's a wonderful organization, Postpartum Support International. And One of their missions that they tell people, this is one of their taglines, you are not alone. And that's what we want new moms to always know. You are not alone. We are here for you always, 24-7. You can call us. There's people out there that treat what you're going through. If it's an actual illness, that's an emotional mental illness, postpartum anxiety or OCD or depression. And there are experts that know how to help you feel better. There are support groups. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest things that we have now are support groups where young moms will come with their babies. Babies are welcome. Toddlers are welcome. You come with your baby. You're in a circle of other moms and it's led by a therapist who's trained and we have support groups to help them through this postpartum period. And what you said was spot on. We There are people out there who sometimes just they don't know where to go or don't have the support in place. And it's very scary and it it needs to be addressed. So we, we like to talk about postpartum health. I have spoken to lots of mothers of preschoolers groups through the years. That's called MOPS, MOPS International.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they're all over. I just spoke with one a couple of weeks ago. And MOPS is a great... It's an organization that exists to bring moms in together to give each other support and encouragement. They always have a director who runs it. And then the moms are in usually like a, um, oh, some kind of a community center, or sometimes it's actually in a big fellowship hall at some church in the area. And it's led by a leader who gives them topics to talk about. I've gone in and been their speaker many times to talk about either- postpartum depression, or I've talked about my book with lots of groups, the importance of having girlfriends, but it's wonderful to be one-on-one with these ladies and just hear their stories about what their struggles are. And, you know, when we talk about it out loud and we get some kind of verbal validation from another woman, another person who's also going through this, it's so it's just so warming to our hearts because all of a sudden we don't feel like we're alone anymore. We're here with other people or are having the
0: same struggles we
1: are. So it's just very validating and supporting.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. And so, you know, I, the last, lastly, I also don't want to forget. I, what about the, the, the elderly, you know, because I also believe that the, you know, we kind of forget, not only forget that the elderly, which I always have had a sweet spot for. And I always yes. say, I love children, you know, when you see the charities and how you can support, but the elderly i have always had a very soft spot for, because you feel that the families, to the families, you know, unfortunately they become, to a lot of families, they become like a burden. Somebody, I had to deal with this. And it's, to me, is very sad. And, and, you know, as they are, you know, I have close ones that have been diagnosed with dementia, with other diseases that are typical of that age, but that for which depression, it's a big, you know, symptom and it starts validating. And so what can one do when you're dealing already with that age group and, and start seeing signs of that? So
1: I would just recommend if you're like looking at a mom or a dad, I have parents that are in their upper eighties now. I'm very blessed. They're both still Mm -hmm. here with us. And I like to check in on them frequently. So a phone call, my father lives in the Dallas area with my brother and there's lots of family there. My nephews are there and the next generation of children are there. So my dad is with grandchildren and great-grandchildren and my brother on a daily basis. So my brother really keeps a pulse on him. And he had some health issues about a year ago. We were trying to figure out what was going on. My brother got him to the doctor and they did some tests and were able to figure it out and treat it. And it's just really nice if there's either a family member or a close friend that can check on elderly people in a regular routine kind of way. Maybe they even sometimes fall and they can't get up. And so you've got to, you know, keep them in a constant contact kind of way in your life so that they can get the help they need if they, if they fall or whatever. And I know when my mother-in-law was elderly, we had a alert thing that she wore around her Mm -hmm. neck It was um, an alert little tab that she would press in an emergency if she fell and couldn't get up. So those kinds of things are also helpful. But if you see dementia or some kind of a mental health start to present in an older person, it needs to be checked out for sure. So getting them to a doctor that would be a specialist to check them out and maybe put them through some tests to talk talk about memory loss or or do some memory testing with them. And there are ways that we can help with, with dementia. And for sure, if it's starting to become dementia in more of a severe nature so that they're not safe to live by themselves anymore, which happens with a lot of people, we have to look at how can we move them to either a memory care facility or move them into our own home if they and live with us their children we have to sometimes look at what the situation requires and then maybe have a family meeting about it with the with all the siblings that are our generation to say what can we do to help mom or dad and what's the best way to proceed here because these are the issues and they're getting worse so just being alert and then communicating between everybody and and staying on top of things and i will say You hinted at it earlier that loneliness is definitely something a lot of elderly people struggle with because, again, like the woman I mentioned who only saw me, that I was the only human being she saw, she was very elderly and didn't have children that were near her. And it's just really important to to stay in touch with elderly people, even if you're just a neighbor or a friend and you realize that they don't talk to family or see family very much maybe go and knock on the door and just check in or take them a, a dozen cookies or try and engage with them so that they feel included in your life and they feel that they can have fellowship with you in a in a good way. We are individualistic in our in our neighborhoods and we don't see our neighbors always that much and mm-hmm. people are busy they're coming and going but especially if it's an elderly person I like to say check in on them. And even if it's a phone call, they'll appreciate it so much. Just tell them you're thinking about them and ask them if you can go to the grocery store and pick up some eggs or some milk for them. Just be their angel. And that's so validating to them to know that you care.
0: Mm -hmm. Kindness goes a long way. It's still a superpower and, and a lot of people don't realize it. So Yes. So, Deborah, what else? I mean, is there anything I always like to provide the guests, as you know, to an opportunity? Is there anything that you have been working on on this subject, other subjects before we we end the interview? Anything exciting for you these days happening? Well, I did do
1: a women's retreat a year ago in the Texas Hill Country. It was over there where a lot of our wineries are in the Texas Hill Country in Fredericksburg, which is a lovely area over by San Antonio. And we did a weekend away from Thursday to Sunday mm. with lovely ladies, none of them except for two. We had two that knew each other, but the others were pretty much strangers to each other. They came together and we spent the weekend looking at friendship and kind of diving deep into friendship and really analyzing our friendships and why do people get toxic and what do we do about that and how can we embellish our friendships and make them more meaningful and, and be a more present friend in our friendships and and make that a priority. So by the end of the weekend, the ladies were just wonderful. They all engaged and we had so much fun. And of course, we we did go to one of the wineries for lunch one day and did a, a wine tasting. And it was just delightful. But at the end of the weekend on Sunday, one of them said to me, I've loved this so much this weekend. Where are we going next year?
0: Mm-hmm, of course. <laughs> And I
1: said, OK, that is very validating for me to know that you Loved it that much that you want to repeat this. And so they were throwing out ideas. Let's go to New Orleans next year. Let's go here. Let's go there. So I'm in the mix of right now looking at different options of where would we go and how would that be and looking at dates. But weekend retreats are something that I love to do. So if anybody in your audience out there is looking for a retreat leader, I love to do that. I like to do small or large, whatever you're in need of, but we can dive deep into a multitude of topics. Friendship is definitely one, but there's many others that we can dive deep into. And I really like to have people feel when they're done with the retreat and they're leaving on Sunday, It was usually when we end it, that they have spent time away to focus on themselves, on their own emotional health, At the same time, making meaningful new friendships with the people that they've now met and know. So at the end of the weekend, the ladies come away and they are very impacted by the friends, the new friends that they have met. And they feel like they have really worked on themselves and really tried to get in touch with their own feelings, whether it's friendship we've talked about or another topic. And When they leave the room, they come up to me and there's hugs and sometimes some tears, but they say things like, this has been life-changing to me. I never imagined that in just a couple of days I could learn so much about myself or now have a different idea about this topic, friendship or whatever it is. So when they say to me that it's been life-changing, I know that the work we're doing in these retreats It's just pretty powerful stuff. And I I love being involved with
0: it. Well, that's amazing. And I will for sure reshare your your webpage on the show notes so that people can uh, follow you and follow your events. And, uh, you know, it's been a great pleasure to have this chat on this very important subject with you, Deborah. You know, you have always an open space here at Back to Basics. Thank you. And and I really wish you all the best. And we'll, we'll... We'll go, we, it doesn't have to be a hundred and some episodes before we reconnect. I hope it's before that. <laughs> Thank and you uh, so best much. Best of luck. Take Thank care. Thank you so Bye-bye.
1: much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcast or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.